If you have not been here for the last nine months, we have been going through a series on the 10 core values of First Baptist Church. You'll see the blocks out in the uh, narthex today. And I hope it has been a very unifying uh, teaching time for you to understand why we do the things we do here at First Baptist. And even though um, the way we do things here might constantly change, the what we do and the why we do them are going to remain constant based upon the biblical values that we have been given from God's Word. And um, let, let me give you just an illustration of how that kind of works and even relating into the value that we're going into today. Um, we have had a, um, t- uh, we, we have made a commitment and we'll always have a commitment to teaching God's word on Sunday morning. And as long as I'm the senior pastor here and I pray well beyond when I am not, that this pulpit will always be taught teaching scripture, preaching the gospel message, because we know that that is a high value of ours here at First Baptist. But we also know that gathering together and worshiping while we do the teaching is very, very important as well. That we don't just encourage you to go read your Bibles on your own. We encourage you to come regularly and meet together. Well, that teaching time for some cannot be, um, people cannot come because they may be ill, they may be sick. And so a number of decades ago, we had a young man by the name of Everett Bear uh, who said, I want to run a tape ministry here so that people who are not able to be here on Sunday mornings can still hear the messages that take place. And so for years that went on with just tapes that were being sold out of that. Well, that transitioned into CDs when that time came in the 80s, 90s, when CDs came into vogue and more people had CD players. That transitioned into the online services that people could listen to um, as that became vogue and people had the internet in their homes and such. Uh, And now, as of two weeks from now, we're going to be able to watch our services online as well. So that is a prayer. Yeah, sure. You can say thank you for that. We know we've had people who have listening to our messages from all over the world, literally. I mean, from Costa Rica to China and other people like that, listen to our messages on a regular basis. We feel like we want to engage them even more by allowing them to watch what we are doing here as well. Now, for those of you who are in your 30s and below, that is just expected. We, 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 we know that, okay? For those of you who are a little bit older than that, you're like, hey, that's really cool. But, but 30 and below, you're like... What took you so long, First Baptist, right? right? We, we, we know that. We get that. Well, we, we now have a team built to do that and make that happen so people can watch that and experience that and be a part of what we're doing. But you know who surprised me the most about listening thus far, listening to our services online? It's many of our older saints who listen when they're not able to be here. And they come up and they say, hey, I know I haven't been able to be there sick, shut in. In fact, I just had a gal come in today uh, who, who said, I haven't been here for six weeks because she'd been ill, but she said, I've been listening every week. They, they know the value of still being connected in that way, but they also know the value of meeting together and the fellowship that is there. So please hear me on this. Never substitute doing church online for being able to be here and gather together. Now, that message may be more of those who are listening online right now than for all of you because you are here. But that value is so important. Being taught God's word, yes, 
but being in fellowship and being meeting together is so, so important. See, we have a very high-tech world, and as a church, we want to stay up with that because we want to be relevant within the culture. However, however, in this high-tech world, we need to continue to be about high-touch. Not just high-tech, but high-touch. That's why we meet. That's why we gather. That's why we come together. And not even here, but in community groups and other groups as we meet in classes outside of even this time. That is what we are talking about when we consider fellowship and how it is built, how it is done, how it looks in each of our lives. And so here's the value up on the screen of fellowship. Would you read it with me? We value fellowship. Read it with me. Fellowship is the partnership with others of like mind who have the common desire to follow in Christ's footsteps. And you'll see a few verses we've based that upon. Let me give you another. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. That's what we sang here at the beginning. If you were here at the very beginning, we sing, we believe. We, we, we gave our confession of what we believe around here. Let us hold fast to that confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting. Now, what's the next couple of words? They're not neglecting to to meet together as is the habit, unfortunately, of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day when Christ will come back and come back for his church. Now, some of you may say, well, you know what? I I use high tech so I can be in high touch. You know, we get that. You know, uh, chat rooms, and if you want to develop some of those with even with what we're doing around here and develop spiritual uh, conversations with others and staying connected by Facebook and Instagram, those all help us stay connected with other people. But don't let it ever be Become or don't let it ever come at the expense of true face-to-face relationships that we have with one another and the need for that. Uh, we, we are becoming a society in isolation. We have cocooned so much into our homes, even into our homes maybe for a sense of refuge. I mean, think about it in your own neighborhood. How many of your neighbors do you truly know beyond maybe just a name basis and you give them a wave? How many do you truly know? Now, if you've lived in your neighborhood for a number of years, it's probably a lot easier. But I know when we moved into our neighborhood, we, we you know, tried to get introduced as much as we can. Um, and more recently, even about five years ago, we had a neighbor move in about three doors down. We went and introduced ourselves to them. Um, but I would not know today who they are if I passed them in a supermarket. In the last five years, we've barely had any conversations, whether that be from me not being out front or me making the effort or whether we don't see them, whatever it is. We we, we just don't interact. I mean, it is so easy to drive up into our driveways to push our little button that lets down the drawbridge into our castle, right? Cross over the moat and get into your garage and then the garage door goes down. You don't have to say hi. You don't have to run into conversations with people. You just kind of cocoon in that type of a way. And and it's hard. It's hard to build these in. How well do you know your neighbors? How many of your work associates do you really know? 
beyond just a first name and what they do. How many of your church worshipers who are sitting beside you right now do you really know? Besides just the 35 seconds that we give you to greet and laugh and touch base and that type of thing, huh? I mean, I mean, do this for a second. Look around. Look at the people on your right and your left for just a second. Look, look, look at them, okay? Make, make some eye contact. It's okay. Make eye contact with them, all right? All right? Here's why. If you are a Christian and they are a Christian, you are going to be in heaven with them someday, right? You will be. And you had better decide right now if you want to live beside them forever because it's eternity, okay? Decide, right? Get to know him a little bit. I don't want to have anything to do with that guy. No? I, I, yeah, I want to be next to him. There, there was a um, man who traveled around a number of years ago who um, held little block parties in, uh, for neighborhoods so that people could get to know each other beyond just a first, being on a first-name basis. He was called the Pancake Breakfast Man, and he was seen as a hero because he united communities and neighborhoods together in a way that we have probably just lost and left for an era gone by. You and I were not made to be in isolation. We were made to be in connection. We, 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 we are made for connecting with others. And that is not just high tech, but that is high touch type of connection. In fact, let me show you where this takes place first in Scripture. If you would, turn to Genesis chapter 2. And in this chapter, you'll see that um, sin hasn't even entered the world yet. And in Genesis chapter 2, you read through here from 1 to 2, and you see that God is making and creating things. And every time he is, he's saying, oh, and it's good. Oh, and this is good, and this is good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And then this verse comes along in Genesis 2, verse 18, where it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good, not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, man was alone at this time. Eve had not been made. And so God is saying, This is not good. God knew we needed connection. Even beyond this, I, I never really kind of put my mind to this. It's just kind of assumed here. But even from the standpoint that God was still with Adam. I mean, Adam had a relation. He could talk with God. And God still said, it's not good that man is alone on that kind of relationship basis on earth. Adam needed a partner. Adam needed someone to come alongside him, him to know her, her to know him, him to know other people, community, a family that soon came about. God's design was not isolation. And we know this intuitively. I mean, one of the most read books, best-selling books of all the 20th century was a book um, entitled How to Win Friends and Influence People. In the 80s, there was a TV show that came about called Cheers. Many of you probably remember that TV show. The theme song at the beginning of it talked about, you want to go to a place where everybody what? That's where you want to go, right? In 90s. Yeah, you all knew that one, didn't you? Wow. Wow. In the 90s, there was a popular TV show, one of the best running in the 90s, Friends 
where people lived in this community, in these apartment complexes in New York City, and they were friends with one another. In the 2000s, we get this this phenomenon of of Big Brother television and and, and Survivor Island where they place people together to live in community to see how they can function together. Uh, And then, you know, you get get Facebook and MySpace and Facebook and all the rest of those things. And, you know, it's just just this, this, this interwoven connection. Sociologists call this the universal need to belong. We're wired with it. It's in us. In fact, even Jesus, God in human form, needed friends in his life. Who were his 12 best friends? What were they called? The 12 what? That's how he functions. That's how he went around. That's how he made his way. He went with them. And even a smaller group of them, three, Peter, James, and John, together, they did things together. He needed friends. And if he was perfect, think how much more we need to have people in our lives. The word for that that we've been talking about, connecting with others, is this fellowship word. And it goes way beyond what we do here on Sunday mornings. I mean, you don't get that kind of fellowship by just, hey, how are you? Good, 35 seconds into it, and then we got to get back and sit down. That does not happen. You don't get that even by going out into the Welcome Center and grabbing some coffee and some donuts. Maybe you get a little bit more of it if you enter into the cafe and can have a one-on-one conversation that goes beyond just five minutes. Understand, what we do here on Sunday mornings is very limited of what really the biblical expectation is. That's why we offer community groups and homes. That's why we offer Sunday school classes. That's why we offer Wednesday night electives. That's why we offer single, or, uh, our singles ministry, which gathers in homes and does other things like that. That's why we have circles of service and life support ministries and things like that. We, 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 we go beyond just Sunday morning to truly get to know one another in a deeper way. That's why we're doing a barbecue. Because we want you to begin to develop those kind of friendships. Now, I realize for those of you who are not connected in many of those ways, that can be a little intimidating. In fact, it can be a little scary to hear me say, well, this is what we expect you to do. It's a little scary to get close to others. So before I give you the biblical account of why we need to be in fellowship with one another, let me just give you an account um, from sociologists and people who research people. These are not biblical things, but let me just show you how even our society is saying that it is vital for us to be connected with others. First of all, I wrote down that there is an emotional benefit from deeply connecting on a soul level with other people. Let me give you a stat on this. According to the California Department of Mental Health, It is so profound that if you are disconnected with people, if you don't have close personal friends, listen to this, you are four times more likely to suffer from emotional burnout. You are five times more likely to suffer from clinical depression. And you are ten times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or mental disorder at some time in your life. See, this fellowship is not just to have fun. We need it. It's almost like a medicine for us. It helps us when we're not feeling well or, or when our lives are not on the right basis as they should be. There's an emotional benefit. There's also a physical benefit that you could write that word down. Physical benefit. In that same study, um, said, that same study said that you are two to three times more likely to die an early death if you are not connected with other people on a regular basis. Dr. James Lynch did a famous study where he went through a bunch of medical literature and he revealed this. 
Lonely people live significantly shorter lives than people who have connections with others. If you're not connected, it can affect your lifespan. So there's these emotional connections, there's these physical connections, there's also a spiritual connection. Now, I'm not even taking this yet from the biblical standpoint. This is society saying, hey, there is that spiritual connection that, that, you, that you need to have. There are benefits from that. Um, Dr. Edward Hallowell wrote a book a number of years ago called Connect. Not a Christian book. It's a secular book, but it became a bestseller because it talked about at a spiritual level how we need this kind of connectedness. Let me give you a, a couple of quotes from the book. It says, we are a nation of doers. We hurry from place to place, filling our lives with all kinds of uh, activities. But what really sustains us is not the activity. We, what sustains us spiritually is connectedness. Now, we know that goes much, much deeper than just some type of, you know, light connectedness. We know it's a connectedness to God. We know it's a connectedness on a deeper level to others. But society looks at it and says, yes, the spiritual element offers that to us. goes on to say, just as there is vitamin deficiency, there is human contact deficiency, and it weakens the body, the mind, and the spirit. Its ravages can be severe. Depression, physical illness, early death, or it can be mild, underachievement, fatigue, and loneliness. It says, just like we need vitamin C in our lives and in our diets, we also need another type of vitamin C, the C standing for connectivity, connectivity, what we do together, the fellowship, vitamin F, fellowship that we need to have one with another. Now, those are just some of the benefits. There are many, many benefits from connecting. And so let me just kind of slow this down and kind of get this pointed and ask you the question. Are you close to anyone? I mean, are you, are you really, are you really close to people in your lives? And if that question makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, you're not alone. 75% of Americans say, I have a lot of acquaintances, but not very many close friends. See, I think as an American culture, and even as a church culture, unfortunately, we are friendly, but we're not really that good at being a friend. Especially when we are needed to be a friend and called upon. Did you know that the average parent has um, just three and a half minutes of meaningful conversation with their children in a week's time? Three and a half minutes. And yet, you place the child in front of television for over 20 hours. Three and a half minutes of meaningful connection, and yet 20 hours of television. As adults, we watch television over, over 30 hours. Actually, it's 35 hours a week. We are having more friendships with our imaginary friends on television than we are with one another. We go to the checkout counter and we read those tabloids on the side and we think, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, they did get married. That just warms my heart. That is so wonderful to see. It makes me feel good. I take that home and I read it and I just connect with it. I'm just warm and fuzzy, right? Those aren't your friends. Let me show you biblically what the Bible says we are as a church. 
and how we come together and how we're supposed to operate, how we're supposed to function. All right. First thing is this. It's on your outline. The biblical metaphors. These are just three of them. There's many more I could give to you. But one is that it's like a brick in a building. Being a part of a church is like a brick in a building. Now, I know that doesn't sound real great to say, great, I am a brick, right? That, that doesn't sound really good. However, look at what it says out of Ephesians 20 and 21. Chapter 2, it says, You believers are a building that God owns. The whole building is joined together in Christ, and he makes it grow and become a holy temple in the Lord. Every piece of this building, as you look around, every piece of this building is very significant. Especially these pillars are very significant to our church standing, and they are all connected. Now, some of you may say, well, couldn't you, you know, move one pillar and it would still stand? Maybe. I wouldn't want to be under it when you were doing it, but, you know, maybe. But, but think, think, because it's more clear, think of like a house of cards. I mean, you know, you build a card. I remember doing that as a kid and kind of place these cards together and they build up and up and up and up. When just one of those cards falls, especially from the bottom, but even on top, boom, and it crushes and it falls, 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 falls. That, that's what it's like. We are a part of that. We are a card in that building. We are a brick in the building. And that building, in that building, the connected parts support one another. Now, obviously, we are not a perfect church in this, but I like to share sometimes when I see this work and when I see this happening to give us examples of how this is supposed to work. Let me share with you. Three weeks ago, um, Janae and Darren, uh, um, uh, excuse me, Danae and Jaron Blythe received um, a call about a two-year-old girl who was in need of a safe home to live in. Jaron and Danae um, have opened their home to uh, foster children before and even have adopted a child into their home, a little boy. But this was a little girl. And they did not have uh, girl clothes or dolls or toys or things that they needed for her. And they picked her up, got a call on Wednesday, picked her up on Thursday with nothing more than the clothes she had on her body. Nothing more. Danae and Jaron said, what do we do? They thought, well, we have a church family. Let's put the word out. And so they called, they texted, they emailed, they put the word out. And in just a few hours, they had one gal who drove all the way from Stockton out to Linden uh, to pick up clothes that she had and then drove them back by their house that night and dropped them off for this young girl. They had another mom who made dinner for them that night um, so that they could bond with Layla. Layla is her name um, that first night that they came together. They had the women's ministry who brought dolls and a purse. The children's ministry who brought over three bags of large clothing, um, three large bags of clothing and bedding for this little girl. They had mommy meals who gave them three frozen meals. And Danae says that those were so nice, especially in the rough days. They had Nikki Lowry donated diapers and wipes from the Pregnancy Help Center. Another one of our pastors donated uh, clothing from their family. Um, uh, another one of our diaconate board uh, and their girls uh, donated toys and games for Layla. And not surprisingly, Danae says over and over and over, we got calls, we got texts. What do you need? How can we help? Can we just be praying for you over and over again? She wrote me an email because I'd asked her, well, tell me about some of these. She says, I can't tell you just about a couple. I got to tell you about so many more because it just kept coming. And then she wrote at the end, she said, community is huge in the church. And Jaron and I experienced the good from it firsthand. We have felt so loved from our church family. 
Thank you, Pastor Brad, for pushing community and fellowship in the church. We can provide now a safe and loving home for Layla for a time that we have her and bring her to church that feels like a family. Now, that is a part of being the church. And as those bricks are laid together, the Blythes say that they have seen this little girl go from being scared and fearful of a hurting world to now enjoying life as a little girl should. Because the church comes together and says, let's do this together. Now, one of the uh, metaphors that Danae brought up in that email to me was that of a family. And so let me go into that. The second point you have before you, um, being spiritually connected is like being a member of a family. Being a part of church is like being a member of God's own family. Look at the verse there in Ephesians 2.19. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the, you see that word there? You are members of the what? The household of God. God has said, come on, this is your house. This is your household. You live here now with me. We're part of a family. And in a very real way, understand this, you will be closer, you will be connected better with your spiritual brothers and sisters, even than many times than your physical brothers and sisters, because you share the same spirit. You share the same Father, our God, Heavenly Father. You share that in your lives. And brothers and sisters, look out for each other. In fact, in uh, just two weeks, we are going to put out a book called Stormwatch that Sharon Mackin has been working on. I, I shared this a few weeks ago, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but let me just share one of the stories. You'll hear more about it in the next couple of weeks, but let me share one of the stories that was in there. It's a story about Sal Bargoma, who came here to America back on April 22nd, 1987. He arrived in America... Uh, thinking that he had a way of raising funds and equipment for a tire capping business for his homeland in Nigeria. But when he arrived here in the United States, he discovered that it was a scam. And so he lands in the airport um, alone, without any money, far away from his homeland, without even a return ticket, because that was a scam as well to get back to his homeland of Nigeria. He looked for food and shelter wherever he could, landed here in Stockton and came to First Baptist Church because Saul was a Christian and knew as a Christian his church brothers and sisters should be hopefully helping him through this kind of ordeal. Well, he walks into our church in 1987, is met by a godly man by the name of Dr. Larry Sanders. After the service, Dr. Sanders tapped this man on the shoulder and said, you must be new here. Why don't you come home with my wife and I and we'll enjoy a meal together and get to know you a little bit more? Larry and Vicki Sanders got to know him, talked with him, shared their lives openly. He shared their lives openly. They come to know that Sal's needs were very legit. Now, I say they were very legit because please hear me on this. I'm not expecting you just to go out and start throwing yourself into fellowship where you start having needs with other people and you start sharing money and giving them money and giving them, oh, come live with us and all that kind of stuff. We're not doing that yet, okay? Now, I say yet because you can't know someone that intimately when you just get to meet them, even from here on church. And we have had people who have abused that on our grounds. And so please do not just hand money, even if someone, you know them, maybe they do that, they sing in the choir, or you've seen them up on stage or something like that. Hey, they need some help. No, 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 no. 
You need to know them more personally than that. In fact, if you have any inclination about is this legit or not, please call your pastoral staff because there are times when we've helped people and um, we want to help them, though, begin to help themselves and not just give them money. So please hear me on that. We can talk about that more at another time, but I want to make that known. That I'm not expecting you just to run out and do those kinds of things. However, Larry and Vicky found out that Sal was a brother in the Lord and had a definite, definite need. How do we help this brother? Well, within um, just a month's time, they found a place for him to live. They found a car for him to have. And he had a whole family of brothers and sisters here at First Baptist. Now, as the story goes on, um, he, uh, Sal, is a Christian. And having a business back in Nigeria can be very hard when you are a Christian because it is a predominantly Muslim uh, society. And so Sal decided to stay here in America and become a student at Delta College and uh, took classes for heating and air conditioning program and opened up a business with doing that. When he was going through school, he had his wife, Naomi, and their three children come over to the United States as well and live here in America. The unfortunate thing is, is that they arrived in the dead of winter and we're not expecting from Nigeria to Stockton, California, Quite a climate change, quite a shock, right? Well, as time went on, um, Sal's student permit um, expired. And he was told at one point, he was given notice that he was here illegally in the United States and he was ordered to leave within 90 days from America. There was a court hearing in San Francisco. And Sal let that need be known to some of our brothers and sisters here at our church. And um, Some of them went with him over to the court system in uh, San Francisco and stood before a judge. And as Sal walked in to have his hearing heard, uh, 250 people followed him into that courtroom. The judge looked and said, who are all these people? (laughs) Sal looked around and said, these are my family. The judge looked back down and said, "Um, I have never seen such an outpouring of love for a family who came to this country with nothing. Today, you have everything, and I am blessed to uh, see you have that. So who am I to send you back to Nigeria? Sal and Naomi still live here. In fact, Naomi went on a mission trip with my wife and the group that went to Haiti this last spring. Um, They serve faithfully to the Lord. They're godly, godly people. They are a part of our family here in America. They still have a goal of doing something back in their home country. Sal wants to open up a bread factory and be a witness in his country of Nigeria. You'll hear more about that in the stories that we share in the book that we have coming up. But it was such a great illustration of saying, we are family. We support each other. We encourage one another. That's what family does. Amen? Amen. Let me give you the last thing that I believe our church family does together, and that is it's like being a part of a body. It's being a part of a body. Look at the verse out of Romans 12. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. We are joined together. And many times you'll maybe hear this kind of illustration, talk about when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Let me take it from the part that hurts. When a a body part is cut off, that body part can't function. 
That part needs to be connected to the body. And if that body is not here at First Baptist, then it should be at another church body. It should be within another fellowship. But you need to, if you are a Christian, you need to be connected to a body. It would be a little bit like, well, let me say it this way. Being a Christian without being connected is a little bit like um, saying that I want to go fight the war on terrorism. So I'm going to jump on the next plane that heads to Iraq and jump out there with my little cap gun and start fighting the war on terrorism. Doesn't work, does it? What do you do? You get signed up for the army, you get into a platoon, you have people come around you, you you fight together. That's how you function within the army. Uh, Today's first day of NFL football. Say, well, I like playing football. I'm just going to go down to Oakland. I'm just going to play the game. No, you don't. That's why if you wanted to play, you got to try out, you got to be chosen, you got to be part of a team. You you, you, You get to be connected. You get to be a part of a team. Some people say, well, you know what? It's so hard to get connected around here. First Baptist, it's so big. Listen, you get connected. This is how First Baptist has gotten big. You get big by being small. You you grow bigger by growing smaller. You get connected to smaller groups so that as families, we come together, we support each other, we encourage one another. What does that look like? It looks like the community groups that we've been talking about, having perhaps six to 12 people who gather in a home, they support one another, they pray for one another, they read God's word together, they live out this value of fellowship together as they are feeding and helping one another through life. Those things cannot all happen within a crowd this size. That has to happen at a smaller level. And so that's what we're going to be putting out before you uh, on September 28th, where we begin the new series, Stormwatch, over the next couple of weeks. We hope that you will see the value of that and get involved. Um, And so let me give you just an illustration of how that has worked for one couple and their small group. So I'm going to invite Art and Rebecca Delgado. If you would come up here and join me on stage. Art and Rebecca have been married for 15 years, and um, they uh, have opened up their home in some special ways, especially in this last year. And so, Art and Rebecca, why don't you just share with me a little bit about how you guys got involved in the fellowship and the community that we're talking about here? Um, we started a year ago uh, during the Not a Fan study, the churchwide study. Um, First Baptist asked if uh, you'd be willing to open up your home or lead um, to sign up. And so we felt that we should do that. Um, we weren't sure how many people were going to be willing to drive out to Lockford where we were at. Um, but we realized that when you put kids are welcome, um, you kind of open the door. <laughs> uh, and so it grew pretty quickly. Um, one of my reservations was we didn't have any training. I didn't feel qualified. And... Um, I just felt that maybe because of my past that God might not want to use me in in that capacity. And um, now we realize that that's exactly why God wants to use us. It's because of our experiences and how we can relate to each other. Mm -hmm. Well, we were preparing um, for this group. Our kitchen was about to be under construction. And God, of course, had all of that under control. Um, Apparently, there was... A family from our church that lived right up the street from us, um, Sarah and Steve Cota Jarvie, they had signed up um, to host a group. And uh, just so happened, they picked the same day of the week in the exact same time slot that we'd chosen. And so Pastor Mike suggested we join forces. Um, so we were very surprised out the gate to have 14 adults and nine kids. 
and the Coda Jarvis have been very accepting of their home being overrun. Um, we now have 18 adults and 19 kids. Isn't there a TV show about that? 19 kids and counting, something like that? Which, which you know, really, that's not a small group, but it, it is a small church, really, really. And, 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 but you guys have experienced such blessing because... We didn't say you had to go continue on with your group, but we were blessed that you did. Um, you started up in the fall time and still doing it today and jumping into our Stormwatch series as well. Talk to us a little bit about the blessings that you guys have received personally from being connected in a group like this. Um, well, uh, as Pastor Brad mentioned, um, it's hard to get to know people uh, when you come just on Sundays. Um, you, uh, you know, we say hi, we exchange small talk and uh, things like that. But if you really want to get to know somebody, I think a small group is definitely the way to go. Um, you get to know each other on a deeper level. Um, you get to uh, be the church. Uh, God has given each of us gifts. And we get to use those in the small group. We each get to meet each other's needs, build each other up, um, just the way he meant us to do. And uh, James 5.16 says... Uh, uh, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. In a small group, you get to that level of intimacy, and uh, God grows you. Uh, he takes you uh, to the next level of maturity. Absolutely. It's been such a huge blessing um, to get to spend time with other believers who are like-minded and gracious and don't sweat the small stuff, Christians, um, that we get to call family. Um, We know that God has handpicked each and every person that's in our group. Um, we've been blessed to see a few of the many reasons that he's chosen each and every one of us. And uh, we didn't realize how much we needed a community group until we were in one. And that's something significant. Probably many of us don't realize how much we need something until we're in one. And so that's why we're starting these. Um, Pastor Mike and Pastor JC and Pastor Susie have been really spearheading this. In fact, they're having a leaders meeting today at 1130 back in our youth center. If, if you are where Art and Rebecca were a year ago, saying, well, we're not quite sure, but okay, we'll try, okay, come. Come to that meeting. You can talk to Susie or to Mike out in the Nartha or out in the Welcome Center. There's a table with a banner out there. Just tell them about just wanting to come and seeing what these groups are about. The rest of you, though, we would hope would be praying about this to get involved. And so let me pose one last question to you guys. Um, if someone's sitting out there and they're saying, why should I do this? Uh, what would you say to them? Um, it's, uh, it's not a coincidence that it's about storms. Um, I was just reminded of uh, when uh, Jesus was walking on the water and during the storm. And uh, Peter said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out on the water. Hmm. And he said, come. Um, so if you're a little nervous, a little hesitant, you know, about taking the next step to step out of your comfort zone, I think uh, God is encouraging you to go ahead and take that step, come out on the water, and he'll be there. Absolutely. We are starved for deep and meaningful relationships in our busy, tech-filled lives. Um, if we don't schedule that time to be with other believers, if it's not on our calendar, it's never going to happen. We need each other. God loves to use us in each other's lives, and we're so much healthier when we're together. Um, 
and this upcoming study being about storms. Um, when storms come into your life, and they will come into your life, um, it's so important to have that community already in place in your life um, instead of scrounging around for help at the last minute when you're in the storm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll be talking more about that in the next few weeks, but thank you for sharing what the Lord has put upon you guys. Is that yours? Let me just end the message here just asking you to pray about what the Lord would have you do. As we said, in the next few weeks, we'll be putting the groups out before you. Um, don't just sign up because your pastors encourage you to. Sign up because your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is putting this upon your heart. And I believe the way that you're going to come to that place is by honestly praying over the next few weeks, saying, God, how do you want me to be involved? What step do you want me to take? Because um, I thoroughly believe you will benefit from it. You need it in your life. But others will also benefit from who you are and getting to know you. That is what fellowship does in the church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for a time that we can meet, gather, talk, come together, not forsake that, but to truly understand what it means to uh, be in fellowship with one another. Lord, we, we just scratch the surface of it in here. This is more of a time when we worship and are taught your word, but as we leave this place, that's when we put this into practice. So God, thank you for laying this upon our hearts. Thank you for the Holy Spirit speaking to each of us. And Lord, I pray, I pray that we will be obedient in following the steps you would want us to take. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.